This is the Beijing Sessions. I'm Haig Balian, and thank God for stand-up comics. Today I'm talking to Alex Xu. She's the first Chinese comic I've spoken to, and listening through our interview, it's interesting just how much of an impact Joe Wong has had on comedy here in China. If you don't know Joe Wong, he's a huge comic here. He um, he hosted the White House Correspondents' Dinner a while back, and he's been on lots of American TV. And now he lives in China. Alex and I talk about a lot of other stuff too. And I've got very very cool guests lined up, including the director of Curtain Up, a documentary about kids in New York's Chinatown as they prepare to stage the musical Frozen. Last week, an excerpt from my interview with Stephen Schwankert and Arthur Jones, the guys who made the Six documentary, aired on Radio Beijing International. And this week, I go back to my very first show, my interview with Ember Swift. If you haven't already, please rate the podcast on Apple Podcasts, or better yet, leave a review. I love reading them. Okay, here is my interview with comic Alex Shu. I went to a comedy show a couple of weeks ago, and I saw Alex Shu. She was really funny, and I asked her to come on the show, and here she is, Alex Shu. Hello. I gracefully said yes. So I've, I've spoken to a couple of comics on the show. Uh, you're the first Chinese comic who's come on, so that's that's really that's kind of cool for me. Um, so when I saw you perform, you you did something that I thought was really interesting. Uh, you set up this joke in English, and then the punchline. Was in Chinese,、um, which gets a huge laugh for people who speak Chinese,、uh, and then you repeat the punchline in English, which gets a huge laugh from people who speak English. So, how do you decide when to pull out the Chinese language in a way that doesn't sort of stop the momentum of the joke? Honestly, it really doesn't come with、uh, any sort of calculation. Most of the time, it starts with what I think is kind of funny when I tell that story, and I get a little, you know. Giggling from people who are listening to me just telling it as a, an incident,、and、then you test it out at open mics.、Um, sometimes you put the Chinese be-、uh, before, and sometimes you put English before.、Um, but most of the time, I think it's because of the fact that we're in China, and I am a Chinese、uh, comic doing English stand-up. It's always going to sort of hit people a little harder if I throw out the Chinese punchlines first. This is kind of a—I wouldn't call it a psychological trick, but you know, if the Chinese、uh, audience members laugh at the Chinese punchline, then it already automatically puts other people who didn't understand what I just said in a in a, in a thought, thinking, "What was funny?" And then when I explain it, it's already—they're already in that kind of you know premise. It's cheating a little bit, I would say, but who? But you know, who doesn't? It's creative cheating. Exactly. And creative cheating is okay. Smart cheating, which is just called creative. Exactly.、Um, have you ever done a set only in Chinese? Not yet. Not yet. I have been really tempted to try to write something in Chinese because I do know. Well, this is being completely honest. I do know that <laughs> if you make sort of a reputation, if you get a little bit,、uh, you know, further ahead in the Chinese comedy game. You do get paid a little more when you do shows, and the audience is bigger. And、um, but I'm also fully aware that 
jokes in Chinese from me and my English jokes are going to be very, uh, completely two separate systems. So have you thought about what a Chinese set would sound like? I imagine my Chinese set would sound uh, 100% Dongbei. Probably. That's where the northeast part of China, that's where I come from. Usually when I speak Chinese, I speak in, I speak in Mandarin, but if I do a comedy, it's probably going to be in my hometown dialect. What would you be talking about? What would you be like, what would the, what would the set be like? I honestly don't know, but it's definitely going to be in Dongbei dialect. <laughs> that's the only part I can be sure of. Like... I, um, it's only recently uh, for even my English set, because I started with just telling stories that happened to me, and a lot of those stories are, are about my poor mom. Um, I imagine that there's some stories there that I could borrow to uh, my Chinese set if I ever decide to do it. But like, as you go, the more you perform, the more you feel like, well, you also get more inspired by other comics, whether, you know, in real life or other comics you watch the study they inspire you in different ways. So you start writing different jokes. I try to write more punchy short jokes lately in my English stand-up set. So I imagine my Chinese stand-up... Now I'm talking like I'm going to do a Chinese stand-up set. I, think, and I haven't I thought I, about it. Yeah. But, you know, if I did it, I know that it's going to start with... Um, it's going to start with my mom just a little bit. Um, because everything that I talk about, especially my existence in uh, my English set... It's gonna be more. Um, it's gonna be standing out even more in Chinese because I am not, you know, according to Chinese standard, I am everything that you're probably not supposed to be for a girl, for a woman. But um, it'll start there. But I don't know where it's gonna go if I ever do a Chinese set. Um, just one more question about like Chinese comedy. Besides Joe Wong, who are the Chinese comics right now? The other Chinese comics all work for. Um, we call these uh, comedy companies. So they're actually, you know, legit companies that are registered with the government. And then they run all of their shows with their talents, you know, as an, an agency. So these people actually have made it really big. I don't know if you heard of that show. Um, it's called the, the, I forgot the Chinese, trans, uh, the English translation of it. But it first aired on Tencent. And I watched it when I was still in the States. And I was a super fan of that show when it first started. It's still it's still entertaining to watch, but it kind of, you know, for me, the enthusiasm kind of faded a little bit. Um, but that show is has been watched by, I don't know, like millions of millions of Chinese people. And those, those, <laughs> those uh, stand-up comics are super famous. They're like stars. I just think as, as soon as you put anything on TV here, millions and millions of people are going to watch it. It's just, it's just going to happen. Yeah, the, the worst case scenario would be like, oh God, we only have 3 million viewers. Yeah. <laughs> I'm waiting for that day to happen. I could totally stand being the worst, uh, worst uh, stand-up comic being uh, put on air. What were the jokes and, and what, why was your enthusiasm dissipate eventually? Sometimes this is how I bring on Joan as well. I said, this man used to be the study material for our English class in college. And now he's in front of me, you know, live and real. And we were all, we were all reading up on how he started stand-up comedy. One of the hearsays was that because Joan is a science major, he's very good at you know, dissecting things, analyzing things, even things that didn't seem like there was a scientific pattern to follow. And comedy was his uh, study subject. So he studied the patterns of how to write jokes. And he became Joan today. 
which to a point is true. And I don't know how these other Chinese comics um, are approaching their comedy in the beginning because it was such a new thing for you know any televised programs. Um, for me, it was it was it was something new. It was something that I've never seen or heard before. But it was very entertaining. But after three four seasons, you know, for various reasons, budget, the, their guests and stuff, it gets a little re- repetitive. But I can't blame them because for that show, that's why that show also kind of made people feel like every comedy show I go to see, you have to have new jokes. Because that show was on, it was a weekly show. So these people were writing new themed materials every week. And it's like, an, I think it's five to eight minute sets. I don't know how to tell people that it's it's impossible for comics like us to, you know, just to come up with new jokes for that much, uh, for that time duration every week. It's, 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 it's physically impossible i can't imagine how you can do that unless you pay me like a lot of money so i I could sacrifice my sleep (laughs) but i can't do that for too long so for that very reason that show gets a little it kind of exhausts the 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 pool of jokes for those comics yeah as well so i still i still stumble upon it on douyin like from time to time but i don't go i don't make the effort to go watch the full episodes anymore so as you mentioned uh your mom is (laughs) is a big part of your act. Sorry, mom. Like, how aware is she about her presence in your act? (laughs) That's a really funny thing. So my mom really doesn't speak a word of English at all, but um, she realized I was talking about her when I think she asked me to show her the the live storytelling that I did uh, in 2019. And the whole set, the whole eight and a half minutes were all in English, English except for that one line where I said, um, do you have anything she could wear? Do you have any, anything she could fit in? And then, of course, she heard that. And then she probably heard the word mom here and there. And it sounds like, you know, she's like, you're talking about me, huh? You think I don't know, but I do. And then she's never come to my um comedy set i don't show her anything that i do i don't i don't really do video recordings of my set um sometimes my boyfriend records it but um i don't do that like like some other comedians who bring on a you know a a camera stand and record it and i don't even do that for my mom but just for some reason every time i see her she's like are you still doing your comedy thing i'm like yeah she's like you're still talking about me aren't you she just has this sense, I guess. Just, you know, Chinese moms, just be be careful with them. <laughs> so uh, it's funny because I was going to ask you about that that one joke that you're just talking that you just talked about uh, about you know going to the shop with her <sighs> and she asks the clerk whether they sell something in your size. It's traumatizing. It's. I was going to say it's funny, but it's kind of painful at the same time. And if you weren't able to joke about it, would you just be able to tell your mom? Hey, this is kind of embarrassing. Um, don't do that. I guess I, I guess I did. Um, I don't know. Like Chinese parents are probably not too much aware of how much of an individual their kid is, especially when they're younger. They're like, well, I'm just trying to pick out clothes for you. And then they, (laughs) I'm trying to help. I'm trying to be your mom. Damn it. (laughs) But they, they, they don't feel like, you know, as long as their intentions are good, they feel like everything else that comes after that is justified. 
but I think she changed how she talks. She still talks about it, by the way. And then my whole thing talk about talking about my mom saying I'm not elegant enough. That's still true. She still does that to me.、Hmm. I see her, and she still now that she knows I dance salsa all the time. She she doesn't say you don't you could you could look more elegant if you lose certain pounds. She would just go. So have you been dancing lately? <laughs> <laughs> Or if she's trying to say that I've become fatter, she would just go, "You haven't danced lately, have you?" I'm like, "Sorry, work is getting in the way." And she's like, "Well, you know, you should be more elegant." So <laughs> it still it still happens just in a different way, but at least it's not to people that I don't know. So I guess me talking about her talking shit about me just payback to all of those、uh, shopping journeys when I was a kid. Absolutely. So you left Beijing in 2012. Yeah,、right? after to, I graduated from、uh, college, and you went to school in Boston, and then in New York. When you went, did you go to comedy class there? When you were there, no, like, not at all. How did you learn comedy? I mean, I had the sort of the first encounter. I've never been to a stand-up comedy show before, even though we watched.、Wow. Like I said, yeah, like even though I watched, we watched、uh, Joanne's、uh, set during the、uh, White House Correspondents' Dinner. That's still, like I said, we were using that as language study materials.、So、we we're trying to understand the, you know, the cultural references,、um, you know, the linguistics points in there. We were not trying to pursue that as an art form or anything beyond the language,、uh, the knowledge in there. So when we went to the states, even in Boston and Charlotte, the first three years, I didn't go to any comedy club. I didn't go. It wasn't until I went to school in New York. There's one kid in our class. Was trying out, and it was at this bar on Thirteenth and Third Avenue called Bar None. There were eight people from my class who went to that open mic, and there were three other people. And then we got picked on by one of the the, the comedians. And back then, I was like, "Why do you have to be so mean?" Because the comedian was like, "Oh, and these bitches just came here to look at look at their phones and not pay attention." Da 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 da. We're like, literally, those couple, that couple over there just cussed you out, and you try to pick on us. We're just like, oh, what is this? So I did not, I didn't go back to any comedy show after that. It it just never occurred to me it could be something that I could do,、um, until I came back to China.、Uh, I was roommates with this、uh, former Beijing-based、uh, comic, uh, Lincoln. Lincoln. I'm not gonna pronounce his last name because I always I always say it wrong.、Um, <laughs> um, and he's from South Africa, and we were roommates for a couple of months. Didn't occur to me that I could try it. At all, because I see how Lincoln would work on his craft at home. Like he has, a, he had, he had a little notebook, and he had a little microphone. That's a fake microphone, but he would practice his set at home without me being there. Of course, it just didn't occur to me that maybe I could try it.、Um, it was until I did、uh, the live storytelling thing、um, right after my grandpa passed away. Actually, so I was like, "That oh, this is going to be therapeutic for me. Like, I tell about this、uh, experience." And tag it with my grandpa's little story. I wasn't trying to be funny, but people laughed.、Mm. I was like, okay, that's unexpected, and it's good feedback. So when I came back to Beijing a couple months later, it was the it was COVID and stuff, and we didn't have anything else to do. There was no other sort of、uh, entertainment, so we're going to comedy open mics at Patty's every Tuesday. We were there every Tuesday because it was the only thing that you could do. And until one day, I was just like, well. They're new comics, and they're they're comics trying out their new jokes. It, I have proof. I have the recording of the eight minute thing that I did where people are laughing. So maybe you can just put that in a five minute, and I could at least just do it just 
do it as a way of telling stories and from there on I, I did my first five minute set at Patty's open mic. I'm so interested in these like cross cultural experiences, right? And and how they change your perspective. Um, and I think one of the really interesting things and, and really funny things uh, about your comedy is that you, you observe these things in, in Chinese culture uh, that are totally maybe ordinary to you or were ordinary to you, but just aren't as ordinary to foreigners like me. Um, and I just want to play one example of that. Um, and here's a clip from one of your shows. Uh-oh. <laughs> My mom is a... Uh, um... A very traditional Chinese woman, so there are a lot of things that she says that things are just it, and you don't ask why. They just are. She says, we're people of tradition. Anything that our ancestors say, we follow. It's like, mom, why do I have to wear red on my birthday? Because our ancestors said so. Mom, why do I have to put a glass of icy water in the northeast corner of my room at 10 in the morning on April 8th so that it changes my career path? Because our ancestors said so. Mom, why can I go get a haircut tomorrow morning? Mom said, because it's two days after Chinese New Year, your uncle's gonna die, you fucking bastard. But for my mom, like all of the things that you heard in that joke, that was real. Like that was, my mom called me when I was in the States. I guess it, it felt more ridiculous when she called me. I was visiting a, a family friend in DC and I was living in Charlotte, North Carolina at the moment. And I got a phone call from my mom and I was like, oh, uh, mom, I'm with the blah, blah, blah. You want to say hi? She's like, not yet, but let me tell you this first. And she said, okay, when are you going back to Charlotte? I said, April 10th. She said, well, but on April 8th at 10 in the morning, you have to put a glass of icy water at the north in the northeast corner of your room. And then, cause you were telling me that you were having a hard time looking for jobs and the visa sponsorships from, she's like, I asked a, a master and he told me to do that. And uh, that's going to change it for you. And then I was just like, okay, mom, did you ask the, the, the master, which time zone he was talking about? Was he talking about <laughs> yeah. April 10th in, in Beijing or April 10th or, or in, in, in the U S and the Northeast corner, whatever. I was like, like that. That's when you realize, okay, if that's something that's universally correct or universally apply, like applicable, it doesn't make sense. And then, like when I was in the states, talking with more people from different religious or spiritual, uh, just cult, uh, cultural backgrounds in general, you're like, well, I guess I'll follow whatever they do here, because I guess their Satan's only uh, trying to mess with their life, and then our Yewangye, our king of uh, hell, is only trying to mess with Chinese people's lives, and uh, I guess they can't reach each other. So. <laughs> yeah, of course not. No, I, so we just that would follow, be ridiculous. We just follow whatever that's local. <laughs> yeah, whatever you believe, I'll believe. It's okay. Where do you want to take your comedy? Um, if anyone could dream, I guess Comedy Central. <laughs> Why not Netflix? Where, Alex, where can where can people catch up with you? Um, so we ha we do our uh, open mics at, at Patty's Patty O'Shea's Irish Bar. I think that's the full name uh, on on Dongjiman Wai大街, which is an easy location to get to. Um, and occasionally, when you come to open mics, you'll see couples taking their wedding photos on the main street against the incoming traffic. That's that's uh, that's not a joke. It actually happens. Yeah. Um, it is a very thought-provoking uh, sight when you do see it, because usually when people take wedding photos, you would think 
that the background is meaningful to what their life is going to be in the future. So it just makes you wonder when they put the background as the, the super crowded uh, Dongjimen roundabout, what they're expecting. Um, but we do that there every Tuesday. Um, that's where we go on either, you know, practice or tweak our old jokes or test new materials. And new comics are also trying out uh, comedy there from time to time as well. So that's more like um, opening a, a blind box, as young kids say nowadays in China. Alex Shu is a comic, among many other things. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Alex Shu. Next week might be a supercharged episode. If things break the way, I think they will. I'll talk to you then. <laughs>